man tears filling up Poplar Creek. <laughs> you gotta love the Dan. Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline Studios on a Tuesday. It's Tuesday, right? Tuesday morning. Um, and uh, we're going to be, you know, we always play back uh, some classic Johnny Carson. You can watch the Johnny Carson show uh, every night on Antenna TV. What is this we're running? Johnny Steele's Letterman's Truck? What? That's <laughs> exactly what it sounds like. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm ready for it. We do a thing called It Came From Amazon, where we look at some uh, actual products that you can buy on Amazon and read the actual reviews. Many of them are hilarious. We're going to talk about weird phobias, most common phobias, and we're going to talk about some uh, product slogans, because uh, finger licking good is going away. So, uh, 312-981-7200. All right. Ken Gerhard uh, is an author and a cryptozoologist, and uh, he travels the world looking for evidence of mysterious creatures, including the Loch Ness Monster, the Chupacabra, the Mothman, werewolves, all that kind of cool stuff. He's appeared on numerous TV shows, and he's got a new book, which is The Essential Guide to Bigfoot. And let's welcome Ken to the show. Hello, Ken. Good evening, Nick. It's an honor and a pleasure to speak with you this evening. It's my pleasure. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, when did you start to get into the uh, cryptozoology um, world and, and looking for these mysterious creatures? When did that start for you, Ken? Well, um, it's been a lifelong passion of mine ever since I was a young boy and I first heard about Bigfoot and cryptozoology. Uh, what I tell people is that I was already uh, infatuated with both monster movies and also animals in the outdoors. So cryptozoology seemed like it combined the, the best of both of those worlds. Yeah. So, um, but, um, you know, it's, uh, I never planned on making it a career, but um, I've just been very blessed. And, um, you know, years ago I began doing field research with other guys, that like-minded individuals that went out looking for Bigfoot and, Started writing books, and uh, you know, I was very fortunate. Got discovered by a producer for the Travel Channel years ago, and so it's just it's been a it's been a fun ride. That's really, great. I really love what I do. That's really great, Ken. Um, so you uh, you you loved uh, monster movies. You were a big monster movie fan when you were a kid. Tell me a little bit oh, about yeah. that, because me oh, too, yeah. me too, Ken. I I to this day, horror is still my favorite genre, and I was obsessed with it since I can remember. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, I loved Godzilla movies when I was a kid. I'd wake up in the middle of the night, you know, back in the TV Guide days. You know, you'd check and see there's a Godzilla movie on at 3 in the morning, wake up for that, you know, (laughs) and go back to bed. Um, You know, Gargoyles is one of my favorites. It's it's an old 70s movie. Yeah, Bernie Casey. Bernie Casey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Uh, Cornell Wilde, that's a good one. And I enjoyed enjoyed, uh, uh, Jennifer Salt in that movie, too, I gotta say. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Jennifer. But, yeah, um, so... So, yeah, um, you know, monsters. Uh, and my father was a forestry professor, so I spent a lot of time in the outdoors. I had a lot of exotic pets when I was a kid, like an alligator and stuff. So You had, I you had an alligator? Yeah, like, well, a caiman. It was a small yeah. alligator. Uh, eventually got so big we had to give it away to the zoo, but uh, it was fun while it lasted. So, so uh, let me ask you about, a little bit more about the alligator. What do you feed an alligator, and, and, and how often do you, do you feed an alligator? And just what's the upkeep? How do you take care of an alligator? Well, um, you know, they're ectothermic. They're cold-blooded animals, so their metabolism is pretty low, so they're not very active. They just kind of hang out in the tank, uh, you know, they're aquatic. 
uh, we had a large aquarium, and uh, we fed it feeder fish mostly, you know, just little minnows and things. But, uh, you know, they're they're opportunistic feeders, so they'd probably eat anything yeah. <laughs> you, you put in there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, reptiles are pretty low low maintenance usually they're not real active you just gotta they don't eat very often you know so so and you said you had uh, did you have uh, besides the alligator you said you had did you have other exotic uh animals pets um yeah you know variety of different types of reptiles i used to go out in the woods and collect different snakes and salamanders and you know uh just you know any anything kind of creepy crawly was was kind of my thing. I liked yeah. all those little creepy crawly types of things. Yeah. So. so everybody else in the everybody else in your household uh, enjoy the creepy crawly stuff, or was it just you? Um, you know that's a great question. I don't really remember uh, <laughs> anyone else putting a lot of time and effort into it, other than myself. You know, I think I was. Uh, I think my father helped me with the alligator quite a bit, but uh, other than that, I was kind of on my own. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So when did you when did you uh, discover? Can you remember discovering? Let's let's go with uh, Nessie. When when uh, when did you? For, do you remember first discovering the Loch Ness monster and the well, legend and the legend? Well, um, you know, I grew up in the seventies, and we had this great television show called In Search of, yeah. by Len, hosted by Leonard Nimoy. And <laughs> yeah, so that was, I that think was you. I think you, I think you and I are probably around the same age because I, uh, all these references I remember specifically. Uh, probably so, but this is the cool thing, Nick. As I, as I was growing up, my mother was a travel agent, and she was very adventurous, so she took me on vacations all around the world. We camped along the Amazon River when I was a kid. We hiked the Australian outback, all of these fabulous places. And um, when I was 15 years old, my family went to Loch Ness. And so when I was 15 years old, uh, I, had, I attempted my first field research, and that consisted of... Uh, <laughs> I had a little 8-millimeter movie camera that I carried with me, and I'd hike around the lake and kind of just gaze out at the water. And uh, I interviewed a lot of the local people, you know, if they had had sightings, and just to kind of gauge their uh, opinion about, about what was in the lake. So that was kind of, maybe that was kind of the, looking back on my life, I, I realized that that was kind that of was a it. seminal event in my life Fif- that kind of 15, launched me on this 15, path. 15 years old, uh, interviewing people and investigating the Loch Ness Monster. Now, um, my producer is... Uh, Part Scottish, and has uh-huh. spent time and has spent time in in, uh, in Scotland. And you have gone to the Loch Ness. I have, and uh, it's what now. Have you you've been there, uh, Ken? It's been years, but yeah, I was there when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and but but they really embrace it, though. Oh yeah, I, I think Ken can definitely speak to it. As, I don't know how it was back in the day, but uh, it's just you know now they're selling plushes and and, bo- and t-shirts books and, and books t-shirts and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, that's a fun, I mean, I, I've always been a fan of that legend. You know, Ken, it's always been one of my favorites. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's one of the iconic mysteries. I mean, just the imagery of this kind of we envision this kind of dragon-like creature living in this mist-shrouded uh, lake, and you've got the old castle ruins uh, there, Urquhart Castle. And, yeah. You know, but you know, the, the thing is, when you speak to the locals, and it, it, there's no doubt they, they've capitalized on their monster legend, you know? Yeah, of course. I mean, booming tourist industry, but um, the locals there, I mean, they, they most of them acknowledge there is something extraordinary in the lake. Some of them have seen it. Uh, pretty much everyone knows somebody who's seen it or seen something. Yeah. Uh, so that you know they embrace it as as a real thing, and um, yeah, I mean it's it's a mystery. It's a great mystery to them, but it's also part of their everyday lives. Yeah. You know? True. Okay, Ken, hold on. 
Uh, Ken uh, Gerhard is with us. Uh, his latest book is called The Essential Guide to Bigfoot. He studies things like the he uh, the Loch Ness Monster, the Chupacabra, the Mothman, werewolves, and we'll talk more about Bigfoot. He's been on a bunch of TV shows, and he's written some books, too. Uh, his latest is The Essential Guide to Bigfoot. If you want to jump in here, we've got comments, questions about these mysterious creatures or the legends the love, love like Bigfoot and more, 312-981-7200, uh, and that's the Team Hockberg phone line. <laughs> are blowing in the wind he's crossing your mind again you've got that sad sad feeling from a broken heart feeling so close to the end all right hello nick digilio here on 720 wgn we're live in the skyline studio here until four o'clock 312 981-7200 is the phone number. Ken Gerhard is my guest. He's an author and a cryptozoologist. And uh, his uh, latest book is The Essential Guide to Bigfoot. And we're talking about some of these mysterious creatures that are legendary and that uh, Ken loves to uh, write about and uh, examine. Hello, Ken. Hey. Hey. All right. We have a guest. Uh, we have a caller here, Trucker Rich, our good friend Rich. Rich, go ahead. Cool. Hey, good evening, Nick. Yeah. You, you know, you guys have talked about in the past that Jack and Ozzy's World Detour. Well, now they've got a series on called The Osbournes Want to Believe. And on the last episode, they were showing UFOs, you know, the pictures and stuff. The government's saying, yes, this is something that we don't know about. So they asked Ozzy about Bigfoot. And he said he believes Ozzy's an alien and that he looks like that because it's a biomechanical suit so he can survive on Earth. And be camouflaged. <laughs> that's Ozzy's theory. Just, that's Ozzy's theory. Yeah, that's Ozzy's theory. Yeah, it's just great to listen to him come up with these theories, and yeah. you know, he's a very but, he's a very entertaining guy to watch, man. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it really I mean, is. it was it's fun. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Rich. All right. Yep. Have a good Have a good one. All right. Take care. That's pretty funny, Ken. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I think a lot of people harbor kind of a secret fascination with some of these topics and uh maybe for someone like uh ozzy who's a little more you know kind of out there it's, it's easier <laughs> for him to kind of publicly <laughs> acknowledge that he's he's interested in these things yeah, but yeah 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 uh, so tell me about uh, when you when you wrote your first book and, and tell me about your your very first one well, my first book I wrote in 2007 is called Big Bird, Modern Sightings of Flying Monsters. And uh, a lot of people are not familiar with this topic. You know, most people have heard of Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster and Chupacabra and so forth. But um, there are modern accounts. Of, I've interviewed many people who claim that they've seen these giant winged creatures. Uh, some describe them as birds, giant birds with uh, wingspans ranging from 15 to 20 feet across, so like, like a small airplane. Um, other people have said they look kind of prehistoric, and they have kind of this pterodactyl sort of look to them. Uh, but it's interesting because if you travel across North America, you'll find widespread Native American traditions that speak about things called thunderbirds. And um, other than being, you know, a... a kind of a sports car and, and a fine wine, the name Thunderbird also denotes these these giant eagles or, or raptor-like birds that many Native American traditions talk about. So the modern sightings kind of line up very well with those uh, Native traditions. 
there's no physical evidence. There's there are no good photographs. No one's found a giant feather or, or a nest or anything like that that yeah. I'm aware of. But I I, I got to tell you, once you've you know interviewed dozens of people, very seemingly credible people that have had these these sightings, it, it becomes very convincing. Are they are, are are there areas that they're prone to? To, to, are there certain places where they they see more sightings than others? Yeah, you'll, in fact, you'll like this. Um, most of the sightings, or, or one of the, the hot spots, is in Illinois. Oh, really? And yeah, uh, in particularly in central Illinois. Back in 1977, there was a young boy named Marlon Lowe who allegedly was picked up by one of these thunderbirds and carried like, 30 feet, a couple of feet off the ground, until he fought and kicked his way free, and this was witnessed by seven people, and uh, made the local newspapers and stuff, and um, yeah, so, uh, you know, wildlife officials there locally tried to explain it away as something like a turkey vulture, but uh, there is no known bird that can pick up a a 60-pound human uh, and and carry them for any distance, so that's pretty remarkable. So there were a lot of sightings in central Illinois around that time. Um, there also uh, there seems to be a lot of activity in Pennsylvania for some reason, North Central Pennsylvania. Here in Texas, where I live, we have a lot of sightings, particularly in the southern region near the Mexican border, and also up in the great state of Alaska, which I, I did a TV show up in Alaska a few years ago, and there were there were a lot of sightings up there as well. In Alaska, wow. Are the, yeah, that's, are, are that's the, where you might expect to actually see them would be somewhere like Alaska, I would yeah. think. But, but. Are, are the descriptions very similar? Are the, 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 the creatures that people are seeing when you talk to a witness, um, it, is the description of the, of the creature very similar to what another person would say? Yeah, uh, and again, there, there seem to be two archetypes. So the, the bird type um, is described as having like solid fe- colored feathers, usually black or very dark, a hooked beak. Uh, like an exciptorid or a raptor type of bird. Um, and uh, the other type, people say it, it, it doesn't have feathers. It has kind of a prehistoric look is how they, they describe it, with kind of leathery bat-like wings. And uh, some people describe it as having a head crest and a, and a reptilian tail. So, of course, that's more of a description of a uh, not a bird, but a, a flying reptile known as a pterosaur, which lived millions of years ago. So it, it's, it's, it's a real head-scratcher as far as why there are these two distinct archetypes and, you know, whether people are seeing one thing and maybe just interpreting it in different ways. Uh, but who knows? But, yes, the descriptions are fairly consistent. Are, they, are, the, are the sightings, uh, are they continuing? Is it, uh, uh, what was the most recent one? Um, the most recent one that I'm familiar with uh, happened uh, just a few years ago here uh, in San Antonio, Texas, where I live. And, in fact, I was contacted by two law enforcement officers that, that claimed they saw this thing while on duty. They had been called out to investigate a strange flying creature over a neighborhood. And, uh, of course, they went off the record. They didn't want me to use their names or, or didn't give me permission to it. But they wanted me to know that this thing was real, that they had seen it. So, yeah. uh, you know, that was pretty remarkable. And that was, just, that was the most recent uh, sighting. And, and, so that, and that was your first book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what other books have you written? Um, I wrote uh, a book called Encounters with Flying Humanoids, which covers uh, another type of flying creature, which is the Mothman. And, uh, you know, people have probably heard of that, but uh, it's been reported mostly in West Virginia. But there are accounts of Mothman-type creatures all over the world, and uh, those date back 
thousands of years. You can go back and look at different cultures like the ancient Assyrians and Sumerians, and they had creatures like Mothman that they depicted in their different carvings and things like that. Uh, Yeah, we we had a hot spot. We were a hot spot for a while a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like Still. 2018. I think it was just a couple of years ago. The, the, in that summer, uh, the Mothman was all over the place in, in Chicago and in, 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 in the area. Yes, I was not the uh, primary investigator on those cases, but uh, some of the people that were investigating that were sending me the reports, and uh, I think they're still ongoing. I, I think I've seen some recent ones there. So, yeah. Uh, the, what? The, what's the legend of the Mothman? What's the uh... Well, Mothman is one of the weirdest creatures in the Annals of the Unexplained. It's described as looking kind of human-like, standing about six and a half feet tall with bat-like wings, 10-foot wingspan, uh, sturdy man-like legs, and people also say that it seems to be headless or its head is kind of low-hung, and it has these two giant red glowing eyes. That's the most remarkable feature that people report, are these big red glowing eyes that seem to have a hypnotic effect on on people who uh who experience it um it's been reported mostly throughout uh you know in and around a town called point pleasant west virginia right right right, right. starting in 1966 and um most of the sightings were in the late 60s 66 67 uh but again they're ongoing and uh, i've investigated and interviewed eyewitnesses in mexico for example there there have been uh uh, a number of Mothman-type sightings down in, in around Monterey, Mexico, and northern Mexico in recent years. And have you seen the movie The Mothman Prophecies with Richard Gere? Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. And what did you it's think? Not bad. Yeah, no, uh, I, thought, I thought it was entertaining. I liked it. The book has, you know, as is always the case, the book has just so many more layers. If anyone's interested in the movie or likes the movie, I would rec- highly recommend the book by John Keel that it was based on because he goes into a lot more... Uh, detail and stuff that they they didn't really get across in the movie, but the movie was good. Yeah, I, I thought it was, it was solid. I, I, it was very creepy. I thought it was yeah. really creepy, and that ending with the bridge is terrifying. Um, so, but well, yeah. that's the real tragedy behind the Mothman incident. Is this the Silver Bridge collapsed on December fifteenth, nineteen sixty seven? Right. Uh, there in Point Pleasant, and forty six people drowned in the in the icy river. Uh, so, I mean, to this day, people in, in Point Pleasant still associate the Mothman with the bridge collapse. Uh, some say he was his appearance was kind of a warning uh, or a harbinger of this tragic event, and that's actually, uh, that theory is borne out by different uh, traditions around the world of creatures like the Mothman, again, dating back centuries, that, they, that these things are somehow warning us or yeah. uh, omens of, of tragic events. But yeah. uh, that's a very profound and a very tragic thing that uh, that's associated with the Mothman, yeah. no doubt. All right, Ken, hold on, because we want to get to the essential guide for Bigfoot and other uh, mysterious creatures. So hold on, Ken. Uh, Ken Gerhard is uh, is an author and uh, studies all of these very mysterious creatures, including, as we mentioned, Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, the Chupacabra, the Mothman, and even werewolves. Yeah. And uh, we will uh, get back to that conversation uh, here on 720 WGN right after the news.
right. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. Live here until 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, we head over to Bradley Place, the TV side of WGN. Get some news and information from that great group. And then uh, your morning drive starts at 5 with the great Bob Surratt. 312-981-7200. That's the phone number if you would like to join us. Uh, Ken Gerhardt is with us. He is an author and a cryptozoologist. His latest book is called The Essential Guide to Bigfoot. And if uh, you love following these um, mysterious creatures and things like that, uh, this is, uh, this is uh, we would love to hear from you. 312-981-7200. Hello, Ken. Hey. All right. Hey, before we get to Bigfoot, you, you actually uh, did try to find some uh, evidence about werewolves. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, um, so that that one's a little bit far out, I guess, for people even that maybe believe in Bigfoot. But um, in 2008, I traveled to the uh, France, and there's a famous legend in France of a, a creature called the Beast of Gévaudan. Mm. And uh, supposedly back in the 1760s, uh, this creature, which was described as a giant wolf-like creature, they never positively identified what it was, went on a killing spree, a two-year killing, sorry, three-year killing spree. And, um, I mean, this is well documented. It, it killed as many as 100 people in, in pretty grisly ways, decapitations and disemboweling and things like that. And um, it, you know, it basically terrorized the southern France for three years. Uh, King Louis XV dispatched soldiers and wolf hunters, and uh, it, it turned into quite an affair. But uh, so... In 2008, I did a special for the History Channel, and they sent me over there with a homicide detective, uh, reason being that some people think that maybe there was actually a serial killer involved in some way. So it's a pretty complex story, uh, but there's no doubt uh, that, that this creature did exist, that it attacked a number of people. Uh, it was ultimately killed with a silver bullet. Wow. And uh, that is where we get the actual Hollywood gets borrows the silver bullet uh, trope from. That's where it comes um, from? That's where yep. it comes from? Wow. Yeah, the guy that shot this beast, uh, his name was Jean Chastel, and uh, he was a hunter, and he had a priest uh, bless some silver bullets that he had made, and uh, according to his story, this creature walked out in front of him one, one time in the woods, and he, he said a prayer and then shot this thing with the silver bullet. And uh, the, the carcass was subsequently paraded around the countryside. They wanted to show all of the people that they had gotten the thing and that they were no longer in danger. And uh, But by the time they got it to King Louis uh, the Fifteenth in Paris, it was rotting and decomposing, and it smelled really bad, so he immediately just told them to get rid of it. So uh, there's a mystery as far as, you know, where the remains of this, this mysterious creature are. But, it, it you know, the descriptions are basically were like a, like a wolf, but much larger, uh, longer tail, uh, pointy ears, uh, sharp teeth, and uh, you know, very clever animal. It was it was able to avoid being captured and killed for quite a long period of time. Wow, that's fascinating. That's really cool. <laughs> uh, I love that that we now have the origin story of. I've often wondered where the silver bullet thing came from. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as part of that television show, this was kind of cool. Uh, we actually did a ballistics test at the end of the show where we shot silver bullets to see how, how good they were in terms of... So I actually got to hold... I didn't get to shoot the gun, but I got to hold an actual silver bullet in my hand, which was pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. 
So is is this available? Is that special available uh, online or anywhere? Or, uh, yeah, it's called The Real Wolfman. Okay. And uh, History Channel still shows it sometimes around Halloween as a rerun, but uh, I believe it's on Amazon Prime and some of the other sites. I don't know if it's on YouTube, but uh, folks can probably find it on a DVD yeah. if they're interested. Great. I'd love to see it. I would love to watch that. That sounds great. Hey, uh, you've, you've traveled around the world uh, looking for some of these creatures. What are some of the more memorable places that you've been to and uh, some of the places that uh, you, you found some of these you know mysterious creatures? Well, um, I mounted two expeditions in the nation of Belize down in Central America back in the early 2000s, specifically looking for a Bigfoot-type creature uh, known as the Sisamito, and also a second type of smaller sort of pygmy-sized Bigfoot known as the Duende. And uh, Duende is Spanish for goblin, and the local uh, Maya people say that the Duende is kind of like a little short, hair-covered uh, creature, like a Bigfoot, but only about three to five feet tall. And uh, we were in an area called uh, the Chickabull Jungle. Uh, they're in the Maya Mountains, which is a very remote area. And uh, we, we did find some strange little footprints. They were sort of humanoid footprints with a pointy heel, uh, which was kind of interesting, and uh, that aligns very well with the legend of the Duende having pointy heels. Uh, so that that was kind of a, a fun expedition. Uh, mm. France, as I mentioned, I've done a lot of research in Mexico looking for the, the chupacabra, uh, the, the, the sort of the vampire-like creature that's been reported down there, and uh, also, as I said, some kind of mothman-type creatures that are said to, uh, to live in caves in the uh, Sierra Madre Mountains. So um, uh, those are some memorable ones for sure. Yeah, uh, you mentioned the chupacabra. This is uh, you know sort of one of my favorites of the of those mysterious creatures. How far back does the chupacabra legend go? 1995 is when uh, the world first heard the name chupacabra, and um, it came. You know, the first reports came out of Puerto Rico. Uh, those were preceded by mysterious livestock killings and. Um, you know, these, these local farmers that were raising chickens and goats and rabbits claimed that something was killing their, their livestock and drinking the blood, draining the blood out of these animals, which they had never seen before. Shortly thereafter, there were sightings of a strange creature, uh, about three feet tall on two legs with spikes going down its back, kind of a reptilian look, uh, large eyes. And so that was kind of when the... Uh, and, you know, there was an interesting cultural thing going on back in the, of course, around that time in 95, the Internet was just kind of getting yeah. going. And uh, there were some websites that sprung up. Uh, Princeton University put one, a Chupacabra website up. And uh, so it was kind of like the shot heard around the world. People all over the world that were, that were discovering the Internet uh, had kind of an interesting new creature that they could kind of talk about and yeah. stuff. But yeah. uh, since that time, there have been sightings all over Latin America uh, and the United States. Uh, the descriptions are different, and it's very confusing to some people, but what I try to tell them is that the name Chupacabra, which is Spanish for goat sucker, uh, actually describes a behavior pattern, a predation pattern, rather than a physical description. So in other words, the name Chupacabra, I think, has been used gratuitously to describe different types of creatures uh, that perhaps gotten lumped together. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah, the chupacabra, I, I remember when I first heard about the chupacabra, it was like in the, uh, I think it was l around the late 90s when I first heard about the uh, the chupacabra, and I was I always found that one fascinating. You know, you mentioned, um, are, are there 
creatures uh, all around the world? Do there, are there legends that are all around the world? Because you mentioned France, they have this, and and, uh, and other places. Do you just uh, hear from people around the world about their legends and their mysterious creatures? Oh, yes, absolutely. Wherever you travel in the world, and as I said, I've been very blessed. I've traveled to 26 different countries on six continents, and wherever I go, I hear about different types of mysterious creatures, uh, whether they, they're, you know, hominid, Bigfoot-type creatures, man-like and hairy is one popular archetype. Lake monsters and sea serpents, things like the Loch Ness Monster, can be found in all over the world. And, uh, you know, the, the winged cryptids that I talked about, like yeah. thunderbirds. yeah. Um, yeah, there, there's a, there's actually the, the field of cryptozoology is, is fairly vast in terms of different types of mysterious animals that have been reported all over the world. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Ken, hang on. Uh, Ken Gerhardt is with us. Um, his uh, website is, uh, KenGerhardt.com. He's an author and a, a zoologist, a cryptozoologist. And, uh, we're going to jump into Bigfoot. Um, we got to talk about, uh, Daryl. So the book, the latest book is called The Essential Guide to Bigfoot, and uh, we'll talk about that on 720 WGN. Hey, if you want to join us, it's 312-981-7200. you been beside a man. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio here till 4 o'clock as we are every weeknight into the week morning. And that would be 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. Coming up at 4 o'clock, we head over to Bradley Place TV side of WGN, get some early morning news from that great group, and then the great Bob Surratt at 5 for your morning drive. Um, we always play back some classic Johnny Carson. You can watch the Johnny Carson show on Antenna TV every night. And at 2.30 uh, a.m., we always play back some uh, great Johnny Carson uh, clips, either some stand-up or a sketch. Uh, now we're going to play back uh, Johnny Steele's Letterman's Truck. I'm intrigued. <laughs> Speaking of intrigued, my guest is Ken Gerhardt. He's an author and a cryptozoologist. And the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. And let's say uh, hello again to Ken. Hello, Ken. Hey. All right. Tell us about the essential guide to Bigfoot. Well, um, I've been investigating Bigfoot for decades. Uh, never really occurred to me to write a book, believe it or not, until recently. Um, there, there actually, if you're into Bigfoot, there are some several, several good books uh, that are available that had a lot of good information, but most of those are older now. And uh, what I've really found discouraging in recent years is that as wonderful as the Internet is in terms of informa- you know, gathering information, uh, a lot of the uh, information with regard to Bigfoot is actually misinformation. Uh, there's a lot of uh, there are a lot of falsehoods, a lot of hoaxes, and so forth. Uh, so I, I basically just wanted to put together a primer for people that are interested in the subject. Uh, it compiles a lot of the best information, and uh, not just information I've gathered, but it's kind of a consensus opinion. Uh, based on the foundation of Bigfoot research that goes back decades. Uh, you know, there have been people investigating Bigfoot actively since the 1950s and before. And uh, I've been very blessed to have worked with a lot of the leading Bigfoot investigators in the world. I've searched for evidence all over the North American continent, from Alaska to Florida to, you know, you name it. 
Uh, I've interviewed hundreds of witnesses, and uh, I just, you know, I felt it was an important subject uh, that that required uh, a great deal of accuracy. And so, you know, I tried to sort of push back and dispel a lot of the misunderstandings and uh, misinformation out there. So, um, you know, it's the best evidence, some of the best sightings. uh, And, you know, I think most importantly, uh, for people that are, willing to accept that Bigfoot might be a reality, which I'm about 90% convinced that these things exist. I've never seen one with my own eyes, but uh, looking at the evidence for decades, I'm 90% convinced they exist. And if they exist, then there are certain zoological questions that have to be answered in terms of how many of these things can there be, where do they live, what do they eat, uh, you know, uh, so on and so forth. So, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I... Hopefully, I addressed a lot of those questions in an intelligent way. Is the, I mean, Bigfoot's got to be the granddaddy, right? Of the oh, yeah. of, of mysterious creatures, has got to be right. Bigfoot's the rock star. <laughs> there's no doubt. Yeah, there's no question about it. And when did the when did the the sightings first begin? It goes back many, many, many years. Correct. Well, you have Native American traditions, like we were talking about earlier with the Thunderbird, you know, all over. For example, when I was up in Alaska, there were probably a dozen different names that refer to Bigfoot type creatures. Uh, Sasquatch is kind of an anglicized version of a, a Canadian Salish name that uh, that people knew about for for centuries. Um, but modern sightings, uh, you know, began to be documented. Well, something remarkable happened in the 1950s in Northern California, which was uh, these giant human-like footprints were being found on on logging roads, and uh, one one person had the uh, wherewithal to make a plaster cast of one of these footprints and take it to a newspaper. Uh, and um, they, that was the shot heard around the world. They, they put a picture of this guy holding this cast of this giant human-like footprint that was 16 inches long, and the editor of that particular newspaper uh, coined the name Bigfoot, mm. uh, which I wished... I'm sure he wished he had trademarked it now because, uh, you know, yeah. but, but that's, uh, that's kind of where we first heard about Bigfoot. Uh, the name Sasquatch uh, goes back to the 1920s in Canada, so that, that's what they were called before then. Um, so, yeah, uh, the, the research has been going on for decades, and um, there's really a lot of evidence that, that people are not aware of. And wh- how did you discover some of this when you were, when you were putting the book together? Um, uh, you talked with uh, witnesses. You talked with people. You traveled around, correct, to get all this information. Well, you know, it's it's a it's kind of a compilation of my decades of personal research, and I also interviewed uh, about twenty of the top Bigfoot investigators in the field uh, extensively to kind of get their thoughts and opinions, and, and try to build uh, what we refer to in cryptozoology as an identikit. You know, that this is this is the reality. If Bigfoot exists, this is the reality of what Bigfoot is. Oh, identikit? Yeah, identikit. So, you know, it's physical description. You know, one of the really compelling aspects to the Bigfoot mystery is that the eyewitness descriptions are very, very consistent. Uh, you know, if, if you go around the country, most people describe these things as looking very similar, similar size, uh, physical features, behaviors, and so on and so forth. And uh, have there been sightings all over the place? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, there are heavier concentrations in the Pacific Northwest, California, Oregon, um, uh, Washington State, uh, but we do have sightings all over North America. It seems like pretty much wherever you have a, an abundance of wilderness area, and there are some hot spots in the eastern United States as well, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, uh, the southern, southeastern United States, 
uh, you know, East Texas, Arkansas, uh, but New York State, Upper New York State. So yeah, there, there are there do seem to be sightings all over. Wow. Yeah, and and you know you can't you can't really. I mean, these people who are are are, are talking about these sightings, uh, they're you know reliable. They're right. They're credible. Many of the people I've interviewed that have had sightings are extremely credible, and particularly because many of them are are sort of lifelong outdoorsmen. You know, that, a lot of the people that, that experience Bigfoot are people that are out hunting or camping or. Uh, you know, people that own ranches that are familiar with different types of animals. So I think that adds another layer of credibility because these people can distinguish, you know, what a bear looks like, for example, versus a Bigfoot and so on and so forth. Right. So, uh, yeah, what, yep, when you look into people's eyes over and over and over again, it, it becomes very convincing. Yeah. How do you, uh, how do you deal with skeptics? Um, you know, I'm a little skeptical myself sometimes, and I think skepticism is important you know the the proposition that there is a giant hair covered human like species a hominid running around in in north america is pretty unbelievable in fact based on two recent polls only about 18 to 20% of the the general population thinks bigfoot could actually exist so you know like one in five people so most people i understand uh, Everyone loves Bigfoot, you know, but, but only only about twenty uh, percent of us think that it could actually be real. Yeah, um, you know, I've de- I've dealt with skeptics my whole life. I, I actually I like the skeptical point of view because I think it's important to you know think critically and to be objective, and not get sort of emotionally attached to the the possibility that, the, that these things exist because you know we'd all love for them to be real, but. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, but, uh, you know, I think the, the bigger problem are the hoaxers. You know, you have a lot of people out there these days making hoaxed videos for YouTube and um, leaving footprints out and things like that. And I, I think that kind of creates kind of a dubious air, uh, you know, that hangs over the field. Yeah, that's too bad. That is too bad. Uh, you know, B- B- Bigfoot is as popular as ever, obviously. I know that you've probably seen the Geico commercial. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just he's been a part of the part of the pop culture, the culture in general, for as far back as I can remember. Uh, Bigfoot is a pop icon, yeah. and uh, you know there are a lot of I think sociological and psychological reasons for that. And you know, as I write in the book, Bigfoot is essentially a reflection of our wilder selves, right? Sure. Uh, when sure. we look at Bigfoot, it, it kind of connects us in a way to the to the wilderness and. Uh, you know, it's supposedly so human-like that I think people are attracted to that particular aspect of it. Yeah. Would you call Bigfoot an American icon? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Now, what about it? Um, why do you think people are a little bit hesitant or shy about their belief in, like, paranormal or, or the strange? Well, um, you know, in, in my circle, I, I don't find that's the case, because obviously I, I yeah. run in that in that group. Right, so. right. Um, I think people are generally, I'd, I'd say over the years, people have generally become more open-minded to, to the possibility that some of these things exist, Bigfoot, UFOs, ghosts, um, you know, it, 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 you know it, it, essentially it all boils down to what kind of person you are, and I think more people are willing to accept that there are things in our world, in our universe, that we simply don't understand and we haven't discovered yet, and uh, I think it's important you know, as a, as a species, that we maintain that that belief system, that uh, you know, that that sense of mystery and discovery and exploration. Mm, yeah, uh, it's fascinating uh, to talk to you, uh, uh, cryptozoologist and author uh, Ken Gerhard, and the uh, latest book is called "The Essential Guide 
to Bigfoot. And uh, what are your other books? Just throw out the titles here real quick, some of the other ones. Big Bird, Modern Sightings of Flying Monsters, Encounters with Flying Humanoids, and A Menagerie of Mysterious Beasts. A Menagerie of Mysterious Beasts. I like that title. That covers that covers the whole gamut of, of everything I've investigated through the years. Yeah, and you continue you you, you continue your investigations, correct? Uh, yeah, uh, sadly not so much this year for obvious reasons. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I you know it's an ongoing process. All right, well, uh, fascinating stuff. It was so much fun talking to you. The latest book is called The Essential Guide to Bigfoot, and your website is kengerhard dot com, and that's G E R H A R D, um, and uh, uh, author cryptozoologist and uh you can look up uh, some some stuff online right there ken a real pleasure to talk to you thank you for having me on nick and uh hope everyone out there is staying safe and feeling well thank you very much ken there you go ken gerhard uh author his latest book is the essential guide to bigfoot and he uh, basically studies and looks for evidence of these mysterious creatures that we've all heard about for many 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 years uh, you got your Loch Ness monster. You got your chupacabra. Uh, chup- uh, you got your uh, Mothman, and he even studied werewolves. But his latest book is all about Bigfoot.